Let's pray now and ask God to bless his word to us. Let us pray. Father in heaven, one thing we have asked of you and we will continue to seek after, that we may dwell in your house all the days of our life, to gaze upon your beauty and to inquire in your temple. So hear us, Lord, as we call to you, be gracious to us and answer us. For you have said, seek my face, and our hearts say to you, your face, Lord, do we seek. Please do not hide your face from us, but reveal it to us in the face of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Teach us your way, O Lord, and lead us now on a level path. For we ask all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Please be seated. And please turn with me in God's word to the book of Mark, chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, we're going, to be beginning our, we're going to be beginning our reading at verse 21, and you'll find that on page 1067 in many of the Pew Bibles. Uh, Mark is the second book of the New Testament between the Gospels of Matthew and Luke, and we're resuming our series through the book of Mark. So we left off at Mark 4, verse 20, we're going to pick up our reading now at verse 21, and read through verse 34. So Mark chapter 4, beginning our reading at verse 21. And let's pay careful attention, for this is God's own word. And he, that is Jesus, said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket, or under a bed, and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. He said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows he knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. Thus far, the reading of God's word, may he bless it to us. Well, as I said, we're resuming our our look at the gospel of Mark, and we had ended right after the well-known parable of the sower. Uh, This is a section of the book where Mark has been speaking about the coming kingdom of God, where Jesus has been teaching in parables about what it means that the kingdom of God is coming. And what Jesus' message has been from the beginning is that the kingdom of God is now come and that all people must be ready to meet it. Right All the way back in Mark chapter 1, what was the message Mark tells us that Jesus was constantly proclaiming? In Mark 1, 14 and 15, we read, Proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, 
The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. That has been Jesus' message. And in the well-known parable of the sower, where the seed falls on different kinds of soils with different kinds of effects, God was teaching us that in this world, that is how the kingdom of God will be spread. The word will be preached, and in some, it will find root, it will grow up, it will produce fruit, and the kingdom of God will be increased through them, and there are others who will hear it, and they will not respond to it. It will never grow down, take root, and grow up to bear fruit. Uh, The kingdom is coming, and there are some who hear and receive it, and there are some who do not. That was the fundamental truth taught in the parable of the sower. And in a sense, all of these parables are building on what came before. How does the kingdom of God come? How is it built? How are we to think about it? And that's what Jesus is doing through these parables, building on that parable of the sower to talk about how the kingdom of God comes and how we are to understand it. And particularly in this passage this morning, Jesus shows us the glory of the kingdom and the growth of the kingdom. Those are the two truths he teaches. I know it's only two points, but it'll be okay. Um, It's the glory of the kingdom and the growth of the kingdom. That's what's going on in these passages. That's what's happening in these parables. Jesus wants them to understand the glory of the kingdom that's coming and also understand how this kingdom is going to grow. And that's what we want to look at as we look at these parables. Jesus is talking to them about the glory of the kingdom. The glory of the kingdom. And he first does that with a picture of this lamp. Uh, The light of the lamp that you don't hide, but put on a lampstand so it will shine out. Boys and girls, do you know the song, This Little Light of Mine? Does anybody know that song? Okay. This Little Light of Mine, what are we going to do with it? That's pretty good. I thought with a reformed crowd, it might take a while for you to (laughs) echo back. Okay, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Are you going to hide it under a bushel? Why? Okay. (laughs) Half credit. (laughs) Hopefully we'll get a little... That's the end. That's the end of the audience participation portion. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Am I going to put under a bushel? No. I'm going to let it shine. That comes from this passage talking about this lamp. And Jesus says, you don't light lights to turn them off, right? Nobody comes in the house and switches on the lights and then starts covering them all up. Um, Why do you turn on a light? So the light will shine. And that's what Jesus is saying. That's the point of a lamp. That's the point of a light. You want to let it shine. The basic message is pretty simple. But if we look a little more closely at Mark's words... It becomes interesting how Jesus makes this point. Um, Every time I preach, I translate the passage. It's a good process. They tell us to do that in seminary. Seminarians, you should keep doing that. It's a good thing to do. Um, But what you realize when you do that sometimes is that your Greek is not very good. And so I kind of struggled with verse 21 as I translate. I thought there's something kind of strange here. And I was very helped to see a commentator say there's something very strange here. Show that it just wasn't my bad Greek, but there is something going on here. Because what Mark says is not a lamp, but the lamp. And he doesn't say the lamp really is brought in. He says the lamp comes. You see how that almost personifies the lamp. 
Does a lamp come in to be put under a bushel or to be hidden under a bed? No, the lamp comes in to be put on a stand. Now, I think we translate it that way because we know lamps don't come in on their own. Lamps don't set up on their stand. It makes more sense naturally to put it this way. But if we read it that way, or if we read it that way in verse 21, is the lamp, does the lamp come in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not under a stand? Who is the lamp that has come in? It's Jesus Christ, right? I was going to do another audience participation, but you guys were a little shaky before, so I'll just, I'll provide the answer, even though we know what is always the answer. It's always Jesus, right? He's the lamp who's come in. That's what I think the real force of this is. Does the lamp come into the world to be hidden? Does the lamp come into the world to go under a bed, or does the light come into the world to shine out? That that's what Jesus has come to do in the world. He's come to bring in the kingdom of God and to see that that kingdom shines out in the world. So that what was formerly a mystery becomes known. What was formerly hidden becomes understood. That's what Jesus has come to do, to unveil that mystery to the world. To say, if you really want to understand what the kingdom of God is, you understand it in the person of the king who's come into the world. If you see him, you see what he's building. You come to understand what he's doing. That's what Jesus has come to do in the world. To make us understand what the kingdom of God is. That's why he says, nothing remains secret except to be revealed. Nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come into the light. That's what Jesus has come to do, to shine the light. We usually think about John's gospel in connection with the light shining. We could go to a number of places in John's gospel. I just want to go to two places, John 8, 12, where he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but we'll have the light of life. And John 12, 46, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Jesus is making that same point in this parable. I have come into the world to be the light so that people would know my Father and the kind of kingdom he is sending into the world, and that that kingdom is coming in his Son, who is the Christ, the promised Messiah, the anointed one who was to come into the world and to bring the kingdom. That's what Jesus is doing in the world, to show forth the light, the glory of the kingdom that's coming. That's why in light of that coming glory, there is a crucial call that comes to all who hear. What does Jesus say immediately after that? If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. He said to them, pay attention to what you hear. Here is the light shining. Here is the truth making himself known. What must we do? We must pay attention. We must listen to what he has to say. We must respond as he's calling us to respond. We must hear. What did Jesus say when he said the time is fulfilled and the kingdom is coming? He said all those who understand that have to repent and believe. 
They have to turn from their sins and turn towards God. Turn away from their rebellion and turn towards the King who's come. Trust in Him to save. That word has to be listened to. Because the glory is coming. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. There's no more time for anything else. There's a crucial decision that has to be made. The kingdom glory has to be responded to. Because it's going to be revealed in two stages. And here are the two stages. First, it's a kingdom of grace in this world. The glory is revealed in the face of Jesus Christ, who says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Where he extends his hand to invite all to come into the kingdom. The glory is revealed as a kingdom of grace in this world, but will be a kingdom of glory in the world to come. When the kingdom is consummated, when the Lord Jesus returns in glory, the glory of that kingdom will be seen by all. All will know it, all will acknowledge it. There won't be a single person in the world who won't know that Christ is king and that the Father is God and that the world is his. Right when Jesus wanted to take, or when God wanted to take an oath to the people of God in Numbers 14, he said, As I live and as my glory will fill the earth, it will happen. The glory will fill the earth, and every eye will see it, and every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. But there are those who will confess on that day as a great and awesome day where they are kneeling to the God they've always served to the king they believed in, to the king they turned away from themselves and to him in faith, and they will rejoice in that day that he's come. But there will be other knees that bow who suddenly realize they have lived a life of rebellion against God and his kingdom and will see the glory of Christ as the king they should have served but didn't. And it will be an awful day for those. The kingdom is coming. And Christ is coming in the kingdom of grace in that time where he still extends his hands and says, repent and believe and enter into the rest of that kingdom. Before it's too late. Before the kingdom of glory comes and you see that Christ is king, but it's too late to turn to him. For unbelievers in their rebellion will go into eternal judgment because they refuse to listen when God held out his hand to them. That's why it's so crucial, he says, with the measure with which you measure, it'll be measured to you. What is the measure he's talking about? How you heard the word. How you heard the word of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. How you listen to that word. That's the measure with which you measure. What does he say gloriously? To all those who believed, who've listened, to what you have, you'll be given more. That, that's one of the things that we hope for as the people of God that we can get excited about when we think about the future glory that awaits the people of God. To recognize as much as we know about God now, as much has been revealed to us about God now, we only, we only have a, a small understanding of who He is. We only have a small understanding of the glory that awaits us. 
When we get there, it will be far beyond what we could have conceived of as great. Um, That's one of the, the kind of fascinating things about glory as it's described in the Bible. It says it's greater than you can imagine. Which I always think, well, I'll try to imagine as great as I think it can be. What does the Bible say to you? It's still greater. There's a day for all the people of God when we will enter into the glory of that kingdom. And what we have will be added to. What we have by faith will be added to by sight. We will say what Job said in Job 42.5. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear but now my eye sees you. There's a glory we see by faith. There's a glory we understand by hope. There's a true love we have for God and neighbor here and now. But faith doesn't compare with sight. Hoping for the reality doesn't compare with receiving the reality. Our imperfect love now doesn't compare with the perfection of love that awaits the people of God. That's what Jesus is saying. To all those who've heard and who've embraced the kingdom now, more will be added to you. You'll understand the full measure of the kingdom. And that's the sad reality for those who then miss it. Because what does he say? You don't have, and even what you have, what you don't have will be taken from you. The sad thing is there are people in this world who hear the gospel of Jesus. He reaches out his hand to them and they slap it away and they walk away and say, I don't want it. And the sad reality is that's as close to God as they'll ever come. There are people who might hear a sermon, stumble on a podcast, stumble on a YouTube video, see something and walk away unaffected. Or who you shared the God, had that experience of trying to share the gospel with as an evangelist and have someone say, that's great for you, but I'm not interested. It's sad to think, as Jesus says here, that's as close as they'll ever come to God. And in the end, what they have will be taken away. And what they'll see in the end, they'll see God's face. But not in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ who mediates for them. They'll see a just judge who's coming to punish in wrath. And what is Jesus saying? Pay attention to what you hear. If you have ears to hear, hear. Don't let this be the closest you ever come to the glory of the kingdom. Don't let the little you have be taken from you in the end. But believe. And know that when you've heard it only gets greater. The glory only grows. It only gets richer. What you have will be added to beyond what you can imagine. That's the calling he gives us here. That all of us would repent of our sins, turn from them, turn to Jesus Christ, trust in him alone and be saved. And not to let a sermon like this become the closest you ever come to the God of glory. Jesus wants us to understand the glory of the kingdom. But having expanded on the glory of the kingdom, then he says, you know, we also need to understand how it grows. Because sometimes we can be frustrated. We say the glory is so great as the Lord tells us that the kingdom is coming, but why don't we see more effect of it then in the world? Um, Why do we see so little of it 
We'd love to see more converts. We'd love to see churches filled. The name of Christ to be proclaimed and embraced all over the world. We'd love to see this glory shine out in ever greater measure. And so why don't we see that? It's an important question for us. It's important that the disciples know the answer to this question as they're going to be called to go out into the world and spread the gospel. Um, On my trip, I went to some of the places where the gospel first came, and several times it just struck me. A couple guys arrived here when nobody believed. And they said, I'm going to go through this whole city, I'm going to go through this whole island, and we're just going to share the gospel. And nobody believed. Um, just the kind of daunting task before them. We can sort of be impacted by that and wonder why it goes well some places and goes so slowly in other places. How do we explain that? Jesus wants us to understand how the kingdom of God grows. And that's why he gives us these other parables that are about the process of growth first. That's what this parable about the seed growing is all about. It's about the process of growth. Let's look at that, at that parable Jesus often will tell us parables and say things that people knew and then add to them some interesting ideas. And it's always the things that are interesting and added where we should focus our attention. Uh, What is the process of growth? Uh, A lot of people in this day and age were involved in farming. Jesus was preaching to the choir. He, He was preaching to people who knew what farming was all about. It's not like us, who most of us have no idea uh, what farming is about. Jesus was speaking to farmers, people who understood how it worked. And so what does he say to them about the process of growth? You all know how it it begins. It begins with sowing the seed. It begins by sowing the seed. But what happens after you sow the seed as a farmer? There's a certain reality about the process of growth that you have no control over whatsoever. That once you've done your work, once you've put the seed in the ground and done what you've got to do as a farmer, there's nothing you can do to make the seed grow. That's the point Jesus makes when he says the farmer plants the seed and then he rises and sleeps, and while he rises and sleeps, it grows. Now We all know that farmers are very hardworking. They don't just plant the seed and then do nothing till it grows. They're working, they're laboring, but there's nothing they can do to make it grow. It's something that happens, Jesus said, without human intervention. Look at verse 27 of the parable of the seed growing. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. There's a mystery to that. There's a mystery to how do things grow? And why do these seeds grow and these seeds don't? Even a farmer who knows, even the scientist who knows how seeds grow, there's a certain point to it that it's mysterious, that it happens without human intervention. It grows while you sleep and rise. And how it grows exactly, you don't know. It's a mystery. It happens apart from human knowledge. Maybe you've had that frustration in your own garden. Why doesn't this grow? Or why does this part of it grow and this part over here doesn't grow? I did the exact same thing with both. There's a certain mystery to it. And Jesus says, and it also happens gradually by stages. 
boys and girls, you've had that frustration of planting a seed in the ground, and then the next day you run out to see what's happened. Um, and nothing's happened. Then you say, well, maybe tomorrow something will happen. You run out, no, still nothing's happened. And you say, where is it? Um, it grows gradually, right? Jesus says, first the blade comes out. You see the little green poke through, and then it starts to look more like a stalk of wheat, but there's no grain in it. And then it grows up, and finally it's actually a stalk of wheat, and it has enough grain in it that you can actually harvest it. It doesn't do you any good until then, until it's all the way grown to harvest it. Right? If you grow wheat and it's half done and you cut it down, you don't have wheat. You have something that would have been wheat before you cut it. And Jesus is using all of this to say, if you want to understand the process of the growth of the kingdom of God, that's how it works. There's a mystery to it. It's sown, the word is sown, and then it begins to work, and it works on its own. It doesn't work because of human intervention. It doesn't work because of human insight. There's a power in the seed. There's a power in the word. That's what grows. And it doesn't depend on us. And it grows in stages. It's growing up. And when it grows up, it will bear fruit. And when the fruit is full, it'll be harvested. That's the nature of the kingdom of God. When the kingdom is completed, then the king will come again to bring in the harvest. The one who sows knows what time it is to reap. Uh, that's one of the things you know if you know farmers. They also know when it's time to harvest. I can remember being an intern in a church in a farming community. A guy was growing sweet corn, and we were out in his sweet corn field. And he took a hold of one of the sweet corn ears and said, yeah, that's about a week away. And maybe he was just doing it to impress me, but I think he knows what he's talking about. Um, he knows because he planted it. He's growing it. He knows what sweet corn is. He knows when it's ready. He knows when it would be too late. He'll harvest it at just the right time. And Jesus is teaching us that important truth about the process of the growth of the kingdom of God. It happens apart from our intervention insight. We can't add anything to it. We can't make it grow. And we don't need to. He will make it grow. And there are times when it just starts to poke through. And we wish it was bigger. But it's coming. The, the wheat is still coming. When you see the green, it's still coming. That's what Jesus wants us to understand about the kingdom, so that his people are both patient and hopeful. It calls for patience when you only see the small beginning. And you don't know what the Lord is going to do to grow the big harvest. And we should not despise the day of small things. Maybe we're looking around in the world and the gospel seems so small because it's just in that poking through the grass stage. And there's a great harvest the Lord is going to bring forth because there's power in the word. And we should be patient because we can live in hope that the kingdom will reach full maturity. It will grow up. It will bear fruit. The harvest time will come. God knows when that time is. And all those things are required for us to be patient and hopeful in that process of growing. To know to be patient and be hopeful because what began small will be big. That's what the parable of the mustard seed is all about. 
that seed that was proverbial for them to be, for being small and insignificant, but growing into a big plant. Jesus uses that one to say, now I don't want to talk about the process of growth. Now I want to show you what the growth is going to produce. What will surely happen in the end? And what will surely happen? That no matter how small and insignificant the beginning of the kingdom seems, it will grow into a large and impressive kingdom. Just as that little tiny mustard seed grew into a big plant, that's how the kingdom of God will grow. And so when it has small and seemingly insignificant beginnings, we're not to despair of what it will become. Because as the kingdom came, it had a pretty small and insignificant beginning. One preacher, born in a manger, to a poor carpenter's family, from a no-account region. And he was lifted up by God to be the Savior of the world and has been given the name that's above every name. That small and insignificant beginning has become a large and impressive Savior. And he was going to do the same thing with these disciples, all from small, insignificant beginnings. They were going to build on Jesus Christ an apostolic faith that has gone to the ends of the earth and will last till the end of time. Small and insignificant beginning, large and impressive work. And that finally is what God is doing with all of us. We've been incorporated into that kingdom. Small and insignificant people. Maybe I'm speaking for myself. You don't like being lumped in there. But that's what Paul said. Not many of us were great by worldly standards. We're not the great people of the world. We've said a few times, there's no paparazzi waiting outside to see what we're up to the rest of the day. We're small and insignificant people, but what is God doing through the ordinary people of this world, small and insignificant people like us? He's building us into a kingdom, into a great kingdom, into a holy kingdom, into a kingdom that no one can number from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. So we should not despise the day of small things or worry that this isn't going to grow into what God has called it to be. The Lord will do it. And what good news that he would call us to be part of this kingdom, to be part of this great and significant work, the greatest of kingdoms ever to come. And to not only be invited to become part of this kingdom, but to rule with him in this kingdom. That's good news. And that's a calling for all of us to pay attention. To listen to the good news of this kingdom come in the person of Jesus Christ. May we all come into that light and participate in this kingdom's growth and glory by repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for these parables that Jesus has made us to understand as his own disciples, parables of the glory of the kingdom and the way it grows. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to be patient. It can be difficult to see the kingdom in its small days, and we can be tempted to, to disobey your word and despise the day of small things. Thank you for the reminder that your kingdom is growing, and it is growing into a great kingdom. 
And that it doesn't depend on our insight, it doesn't depend on our intervention and our wisdom, but there is power in the Word. And the Word will bring forth a great harvest, a great kingdom to your glory. So help us to hope in that. Help us to participate in that by faith and then help us to rejoice that you have included us in this great kingdom. Hear us, forgive us of our sins, cleanse us of all unrighteousness, work faith in our hearts that we might see and embrace the King and have life in his name. Hear us, for we pray in Jesus' name.